Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey, Playmakers. This is Ashley. And this is Brittany. And we are more than a season podcast. Welcome back. Welcome. Thanks for being here. You know that we love you. If you are an original OG playmaker, you know that we love our community so much. But if you're new here, hang around. I promise we're fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You'll get to know us. You will. <laughs> but thanks for being here. And we have some upcoming travel. But before we chat about our plans. We want to give you some housekeeping things because we have exciting stuff happening with a giveaway. Yeah, we have our last week of June, which means that it's our last week of our birthday month. And of course, you know, we're going to celebrate. So if you haven't already followed us on Instagram, if you go ahead and look into the show notes, we have our Instagram tag there and that will give you all of the details that you need to know about our giveaway. It's a really good one. So I promise you're going to want to follow us to find out more information and enter to win. Yeah, this is definitely the grand prize of all prizes. So make sure that you don't miss out. And we are about to be on the road again. Brittany and I are actually going for fun things this time. So not for work, but Brittany, where are you headed to next? Well, currently I am in Boston and we are here for about a week visiting family and Drew's family is coming up too because they are actually a weird story, but we trace both of our ancestries back and like both of our families are from the same area in Boston. Whoa. So that's crazy. Yeah. So we are doing, you know, a little trip around and then we're going to a Red Sox game next week. So if you are a Red Sox girl, message me if you're going to be there. I would love to meet y'all. Um, and then we are going to Texas for a week in California for a week kind of breaking the trip up to kind of get to some different places. What about y'all? Yeah, we are in Texas this week. We're hanging out a little bit longer. And then at the end of the week, we will be going to Colorado. Carson is so excited. He loves the mountains. We have to trade off between the mountains and the beach. Mm -hmm. I'm a beach girl. He loves the mountains. So this year, mountains we go. But I'm excited for some beautiful fresh air, some hiking and um, just some downtime. It'll be so, so nice. Yeah. It'll be nice though, because at least the mountains aren't going to be snowy mountains. Like yeah, I would draw the line at like if he wanted to go to the mountains in the winter. So at least it's the summer. It'll be nicer. Yes. No, I agree. And I'm, I'm not a hiking girl, like one that's like outdoorsy that'll go pick up a walking stick. So we'll see. I'll... <laughs> share share with y'all it's going to be more of a brisk walk not so much of an intense hike so I'll I'll definitely share with everyone there but this episode today it's going to be incredible it's kind of a weird story how we found Miss Lauren on our podcast to interview her is we were scrolling through Instagram and I told Brittany I was like we want someone that is a dermatologist coach's wife to come on the podcast to chat about all things skin and beauty. And there she was. It was fate. It was fate. (laughs) It was. And she lives so close to us too. So that's so funny. Hopefully we'll get to meet her at some point soon. But we chat all about skincare, things that you need to be doing, especially since we are out in the sun a lot with all of our seasons and various things and things that your significant others can also do since some of their seasons are outside, things that we can do to just kind of age gracefully. Yes. Definitely need all the help we can get because of being in the sun. But y'all will love this episode. Just hang tight and we will see you on the other side. 
Welcome back. It's our favorite time of the week. We love bringing you new episodes. And this topic is just one you guys aren't even prepared for. <laughs> We're excited about this. We've been talking about wanting to bring someone on in this field and kind of give us a rundown of things since we're always in the sun we always have to attend these games and you know as we get older we want to make sure that we look good yes <laughs> yes all effort possible but we won't waste any more time so we have a special guest we're going to toss it on over to her and let her introduce herself hello everybody uh, my name is lauren miller and i live in anniston alabama small town alabama and I am a dermatology PA. I've been working in dermatology for about 14 years. Hopefully everybody knows what a PA is, but if not, it's physician assistant. And we're actually going through a name change and we're going to be physician associate. But essentially I diagnose and manage and treat skin conditions and all that comes with that. And I am married to a high school football and basketball coach. He's the head coach for both sports at a high school here, which is not typical. So our life is very busy. He has been the head football coach for 10 years and the head basketball coach for maybe 16. And we have two children. We have Knox, who is about nine and a half. And we have a brand new baby, Wynn, who is four months old. So yeah, so we have a pretty busy, crazy life. (laughs) Obviously I'm a dermatology PA, so I run a clinic four days a week and you know, all that that entails with, you know, anything skin, hair, nails related, but um, I'm also the president elect of the National Dermatology PA Society. So I'm fixing to start that presidency in um, two weeks. And I speak for about seven pharmaceutical companies on the side. So yeah, so that's kind of what I do and uh, what my husband does. So we have a a busy life over here in little Alabama. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You're like on the (laughs) side. I'm like, how does she even find time? Yeah. It's interesting. We were talking before we got started about all my travels and stuff. I'm literally gone every weekend this month. This week, I'll be gone five days. So luckily, Jonathan is amazing and really picks up the slack when I'm traveling a lot. I try my best to kind of make my busy part and really take advantage of his off season so Mm -hmm. that then when he's in season, I do still have to be gone some, but I try to keep it to a minimum if I can. So we try to tag team it. Yeah. And for the listeners that don't really know very much about being in that industry, how did you find a passion for skin and dermatology, just the field as a whole? Because I know that there's so much that goes into it. Yes. So I always knew I wanted to do something in medicine. I thought I wanted to be a physician. So all through high school, I even went through undergraduate thinking I wanted to be a doctor, took the MCATs. And I double majored in undergraduate. So it took me five years. I got a chemistry and biology degree. And when I finished, I was just kind of tired. And I thought, you know, I kind of want to take a break. So I thought, you know, I'm going to take a year and just kind of see, like give myself a little bit of a breather. And I was starting to already think ahead to, do I really want to be a doctor? Do I want to go to school for another eight plus years? So my mom has a best friend who manages a dermatology practice in Florida. And she offered to let me come stay for the summer when I graduated from college. So I did and fell in love with dermatology and already knew that I kind of had a passion for, I mean, it's always great, you know, to look good. I've always loved makeup and skincare and things like that. So, but I just fell in love with it. And so I actually ended up shadowing their physician assistant at the time. 
didn't even know what a position assistant was and thought, oh my gosh, this is amazing because we can do so much of the same thing that a physician does, but it's not quite the education requirement. And so it just kind of seemed like the best of both worlds. You could get finished a little bit sooner. I never really cared much about the title per se of being a doctor. So I thought, you know, this gives me the ability to be able to do something that I'm interested in, but then I can also be done and be able to start a family and things like that too. So But I don't know. I've just always had an interest in skin. I think it's great to be able to help people feel good about themselves and about the way they look. But surprisingly, what most people think when they think about dermatology is the aesthetics part. So Mm -hmm. skincare and Botox and fillers and lasers. And don't get me wrong. I love that stuff too. Mm -hmm. But my passion is actually more general dermatology. So when I speak for these companies, it's mostly on topics like psoriasis and atopic dermed. And that's what is super fulfilling just to be able to improve their quality of life. So yeah, I feel like we've been educated a lot more in general, like in the past few years about skin and skin cancer and things that like Mm -hmm. people can do to kind of prevent those things. And at least when I was growing up, and I know my mom talks about when she was growing up too, like there just wasn't as much education provided to everyone. So you kind of like realize these things later on in life. And are you getting a lot of people at this point in your career that are coming in with those kind of issues, like having skin cancer because they never put on sunscreen or they did like mm-hmm. the baby oil method or oh things my like gosh. that. <laughs> yes. So the baby boomers for sure, like my dad's age that come in now, you know, they'll, their favorite sentence is, well, we didn't have sunblock when I was younger. And I'm like, well, you really, you, you did, but back then it, it wasn't something that was readily available to everybody. You know, if you got it, it was probably more expensive and it was, you know, not a necessity. Mm-hmm. So obviously we see that now, but we're seeing more younger patients come in that are having skin cancers and that's because of tanning bed use. And mm-hmm. so we try to talk to patients about that, which which, you know, I think we could talk about myths and things like that, but I try to talk to young girls. Mostly there are some men that do tanning beds, but young girls about, you know, let's do some self tanner instead of tanning bed, but we're seeing more skin cancers on people that are coming in at like 18, 20, 22. And I'm like, you know, if you're already getting skin cancer at this age, like this is not a good sign for, you know, your future looking forward. But definitely, I think there's, you know, with commercials and things like that about sunblock and social media and TikToks, all that information more obtainable. And so people will come in and say, well, I saw this thing on, you know, Instagram, or I saw a TikTok on this melanoma surgery, and I have this dark spot. So I thought I'd come in and get it checked. And so I actually have a board in my office where over the last 14 years, if I diagnose a melanoma, I put a little heart there because I look at it as I've saved this many lives. So, so the skin cancer thing is definitely something too, that I'm passionate about in this time of the year, everybody's coming in. I don't know if it's just because they're getting bathing suit ready and like, they're starting to look at their skin more, but we're like, right now, I feel like all I'm doing are skin checks, which is great because, you know, everybody needs to do that. So I I just think of the tanning, but I'm guilty as can be when growing up. And (laughs) I, I was just thinking of that in my head as like, when we went to college, we had um, a tanning bed like right next to actually the sorority houses. It was a full operation and all those girls, I've had several go in and just with sunspots and things that they're trying to get corrected. And I wish you could go back in time. Girl, I did tanning bed too. When I was in high school, <laughs> my mom let me do it and yeah. I didn't know any better then. I would say I did it even in undergrad some too. Probably it wasn't until I got probably into PA school where I finally, you know, at that point, I'm probably 22, you know, 23 years old, and I'm 
like starting to obviously be exposed to things. And I'm like, okay, like this, it's not a good idea. So, you know, luckily for me, I stopped at a fairly young age because I learned better, but you know, there's a lot of people that, you know, don't know or didn't know. I feel like mm-hmm. nowadays, most people at this point know tanning bed is not great for you. And so that's kind of a misconception that people think I've had people come in that say, Hey, can I go to the tanning? Like, do you think it's okay for me to go to the tanning bed before I go to the beach? So I can get me a base tan before I go. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, actually, no, that's not how that works, but I'm not going to say that it's ever too late. So when somebody comes in and I talk to them about, okay, look, we need to stop. Like even just like tanning outside extremely often is, not good either, but there is a big difference between tanning beds and being outdoors. So tanning beds are purely UVA rays and UVA penetrates deeper. And so that's where you're getting majority of your skin cancers from when you're outdoors, you are getting some UVA and UVC, but it's mostly UVB and that's more superficial. So that's why you get more sunburns. Now, obviously over time, if you're outdoors enough, you are going to get some skin cancers as well, but tanning beds really do penetrate so much deeper. So I think there's this stat that I give the teenage girls. And when I tell them this, they're like, (gasps) but I think they say like 20 hours of tanning bed use in your lifetime doubles your risk for melanoma. So think about if you're sitting 20 minutes, like three times a week, like okay, there's your hour right there. Mm -hmm. So if it's 20 hours, doubles your risk and 50 hours, triples your risk for melanoma. So, you know, we know it causes skin cancer. We know it causes melanoma. So, but it's never too late to stop. So I always say we can, we can help. I can't necessarily prevent you from getting a skin cancer, but if you'll come in, I can find it sooner and we can get it diagnosed and get it treated before it has time to metastasize, which is the biggest thing. But then, you know, personally, cause I'm vain. I don't want to look 50 when I'm 50. So, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to look like a leather handbag. So, right. you know, right now I have on some self tanner, but I like to have a little bit of a tan, but yeah. that St. Tropez sun tanning foam is my favorite. So mm-hmm. usually I'm going to have a little bit of some color, but it's, that's what it's from. So there's some skincare products. We can help reverse some like photo aging and things like that. But when it comes to really reversing like significant damage, you know, once it's done, I like to say you can't unburn the toast. So it's always better to start with good habits early. So yeah, (laughs) I know. I think they kind of perfected the uh, self tanner. Now it used to be a lot more orange back when I was in high school. And I think that's why so many people did the beds because they were like, I'm not going to be orange. (laughs) St. Tropez is my absolute favorite. I use their foam for my body and then they have a facial mist and it actually smells pretty good that I do for like my face. And then I'll use it on my hands and my feet. So it's a little bit more natural. And people all the time were like, you're awfully tan for somebody that works in Durham. And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's self tanner. Don't worry. (laughs) Don't worry. And are there certain spots like that you see skin cancer more in, or are there areas that are a little more sensitive? Mm -hmm. So obviously face is big and we normally see more skin cancers on the left side of the body because of driving. So we have a lot of people that come in that drive for a living, they're sales reps, or maybe they're truck drivers, pilots, they come in and they definitely have more skin cancers on those sun exposed areas. So like their left arm, their face, but then for women, a lot of times it's face and it's lower legs. So we see probably lower legs is one of the most common for women. And then of course, you know, forearms and then for women, more upper chest Mm -hmm. and uh, back. And then surprisingly, we're starting to see a lot of skin cancers in like the genital area from tanning beds on females. So, but I would say lower legs, face, the typical sun exposed areas, but it's 
it's not a misconception that there is more skin cancer on the left side of the body. And that's usually because of sun exposure went from driving. So yeah, that makes sense because of the way that the yeah. light hits. Mm-hmm. I, I was a sales rep for a while. And I yeah, that totally makes sense. With all <laughs> mm-hmm. the products for skincare, though, there are so many out there. And for someone that is just starting, like I feel like guys, especially they can like use one little moisturizer or cleanser and be done and be like, great. But for us, there's like 20 different products we have to quote unquote put on our face. So is that true? Or what do you suggest is a good routine for skincare? So and it can be expensive. I always tell my patients, you can spend as much money as you want. So I'm going to have patients that come in that really can't afford like the top of the line stuff. And I'm very blessed that you know, I have access to the best skincare, whether I can get it for free or I can get it for a discount. So, you know, I have to keep in my mind that most of my patients, especially at my practice, they're more rural and they can't afford the really expensive stuff. And so I have a list of, okay, these are the ingredients that you want to look for. You don't have to get this brand. So, you know, I always say, start out with just a couple products. So I try to get patients, you know, whether they're teenager adults, okay, let's get into some good habits of even just cleansing twice a day. You know, you don't want to go to bed with your makeup on. Mm -hmm. So that's a definite no, no. And, you know, like when I get up in the morning, I really don't cleanse. I use like a micellar water to kind of just kind of wake myself up and just kind of refresh, but I don't necessarily cleanse in the morning. So, you know, if you could get a patient to kind of start taking off their makeup, doing a good cleansing regimen, sunblock should be number one. So that's something that everybody should do every day. Um, I have another sheet that I give patients that says, okay, this is the ingredients that you want to look for. We could spend 30 minutes talking about sunblocks and what does SPF 30 mean and SPF 50. So you need a good sunblock. I say mineral based, which means it's got zinc oxide or titanium Mm -hmm. dioxide in it. And anywhere between a 30 and a 50 is sufficient. So that would be number one. And I have different sunblocks. So I have one for my body and then I have a tinted sunblock that I use on my face. Mm. And typically if I'm just going to work, I'm going to have that tinted on and then I'll do a little blush and maybe some mascara. So for girls, you can kind of do something like that and knock out, you know, get you a little color, but you've still got your sunblock too. The other thing would be maybe starting with like a antioxidant in the morning. So that helps to prevent um, and protect against free radicals, which gives us that aging look. It helps with discoloration. It helps with fine lines and wrinkles. So like a vitamin C product, and there's a million different versions on the market, but that would be a good thing to start with in the morning. And then at night, starting on like a retinoid or retinol product. And again, there's a million different options. So, you know, you could start out and, you know, go to Walgreens. I like to peruse Walgreens and Walmart and just kind of look at the different brands and, you know, give patients options for like, this is the ingredient you want. Don't get caught up necessarily in the brand. I do think there might be some over-the-counter brands that might be a little bit better than others. But I would say if you could do a good sunblock and good cleansing regimen, And then maybe a vitamin C in the morning and a retinol at night. That's a good start. And then you can always add in things. I mean, like literally, if you could see my counter right now, I have probably, I don't know, 15 things sitting here on my counter that I kind (laughs) of alternate between. So it just depends. If you've got trouble skin and you've got acne, then we need to add something in for that. I have rosaceous on my nose, so I have to add in medicine for that. I mean, the list is endless. I mean, you can exfoliate, you can do all kinds of stuff, but I think just a good basic regimen for females in particular is what I just said. And then men, it's mostly just cleansing, moisturizing, and sunblock. 
I want to ask a quick question about sunblock because I heard, and I wonder if this is just a myth, that anything over 30 is pointless. That it basically, okay. So 30 to 50 is really the sweet spot. So I would rather a patient have SPF 30 and it be a zinc or titanium than to have a chemical sunscreen, which are all of the long terms that you'll see that you can't really pronounce like oxybenzone, avabenzene, things like that. Those are more chemical sunscreens and those are going to screen out the different rays, which is why they have to have four or five of those on the label um, as ingredients. Whereas zinc, it's going to completely block the sun from penetrating. So an SPF 30 means that you could stay outside 30 times longer without burning than you could without sunblock. So like if you could typically, if you're fair skin and you are out for 10 minutes and you're already sunburned without sunblock, you can go 30 times longer than that. Okay. Mm -hmm. So 30 to 50 is sufficient because you really still need to be reapplying. So when somebody comes in and says, Hey, I use an SPF hundred, I say, I'd rather you not because I guarantee you it's not a mineral sunblock because they just don't make those in a hundred. So 30 to 50 is sufficient and just reapply. Wow. I didn't know that because you see the hundred and the 70, whatever, Uh and you're like, that's going to do the trick, but I guess not. So that's very good. Well, so there was a time when they were supposed to be preventing companies from being able to market SPF hundreds and 75s because it's deceiving, but it looks like that has not happened because you still see them on the shelf. So always look for ingredients and 30 to 50 is good. That's great advice and tips to provide to the listeners. I want to know what your thoughts on Botox and facials are because (laughs) love me some Botox personally, but in facials, there's so many different ones. I mean, so many different names and things they're supposed to do. So are they necessary? And do you like them? I do. Oh girl, I love me anything aesthetic. So (laughs) I'm a Botox lover. I do think like one of my things that I wish everybody would do is just start early. And like, if you've got like daughters and kids to start early, even obviously with sun protection, but even just skincare too. So I started doing Botox in my twenties. So I started in dermatology in my twenties and it was available. And years ago it was like, you don't need Botox. You don't have any wrinkles, but the point of it is to prevent the wrinkle from happening. So Mm -hmm. if you wait until after it's already deep, then it's not really going to do what its job is. So I started Botox in my twenties and still do it to this day. Sometimes I get behind on mine and obviously I just had a baby. So I couldn't do it for close to a year, but love Botox. I love fillers. I do those personally myself too. No shame in my game. (laughs) I think anything that makes you feel good about yourself, I'm all for, Mm -hmm. and we all have things that maybe, you know, we don't necessarily like. And so that's one thing when ladies come in and I actually have a lot of men that come in too, that don't like their under eye bags or um, the darkness under their eyes or things like that. You'd be surprised at how many men are into this kind of stuff too. But I love all of that stuff. As far as facials, you know, I don't really do a ton of facials personally. Facials, I feel like they're good, especially if you have acne skin. I do like a hydrofacial. I might do that maybe twice a year. Those are a little bit more expensive, but they feel really good and it's relaxing. But I kind of look at a facial as almost kind of like a treat, like if you go and get a massage, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like that's what I would do if I just wanted to relax. But I think lasers do more Um, for the skin and you get more broad benefits from the different laser options that are available. So I usually ask patients like, what are your goals and what are your dislikes? Because more than likely, it's probably going to be something that we need to address with a laser versus a a facial or a chemical pill. So I do chemical pills all the time as well. So I mean, pretty much anything that somebody, you know, maybe is self-conscious about, 
there's something that we could do to fix it. And usually it's going to be more either chemical exfoliation with a chemical peel or more laser and then filler and Botox. And then there's cool sculpting. I mean, don't forget about all the stuff that we can do for our body, like our body tightening. There's cool sculpting. There's N-Sculpt now that actually tightens your muscle and gets rid of the fat at the same time. It's insane. Sign me up. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. That is cool. It's crazy. It's, I mean, really, it's so incredible. Like the last probably decade, 15 years since I've been in the industry, like the technology that's been developed. I mean, literally, if you have a concern or something that you don't like, there is something that you can do to fix it. So, which is great. I mean, you know, I, like I say, I don't aesthetic shame or cosmetic shame. I see people talk on social media a lot about giving people a hard time if they do those type things. And I just, I think that's silly. I think mm-hmm. if you, you know, if it makes you feel good and there's something that you don't like about yourself and it makes you feel better to do something about it, then go for it. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. I mean, we're, we're in the same boat over here. We always talk about how our significant others were like, don't do Botox. And we're like, it's not for mm-hmm. you, friend. It's for us. <laughs> no. So it is yes. our own thing. If you can't tell, that's good. You know, you want it to yes. be minimal. Well, so I'm trying to get my husband to do Botox and I think I've about got him talked into it, but he's one of those that like is... He's so anti, like anything medical, like you can't even say the word phlegm or blood or mucus. And he's like, he cringes. And so I'm like, babe, you got some, you know, you've been outdoors doing this coaching thing for, this Mm -hmm. is his maybe 20, 21. So I'm like, you know, the sun has taken its toll. We're going to need to do something with these lines here. So I think I've about got him talked into it, but initially he was kind of like, you don't need it. You don't need it. But again, I think a lot of it comes with, they don't understand what Mm -hmm. it's for. You know what I mean? Right. And then again, this stuff costs money. So at the end of the day, you know, when you drop, I mean, you could go literally and drop mm-hmm. $400, $800 on Botox, depending on what areas you do. So, but you don't have to do that. A good clinician can say, okay, you know, what areas bother you the most? You can do something really small and you don't have to look like you're completely frozen. Everybody's different on that too. So, I mean, there's just so many options. And I say, if it, if you want to do it, do it. I'm mm-hmm. never going to shame somebody. Yeah. Yeah, you'll have to keep us updated if you break him and get him yeah. to do. Oh, I will. I'm going to. This year this year is the year. I, this I can is see the year. it's coming. <laughs> and I want to know with the coaching lifestyle, so balancing all that you just listed, has it always been that way? You've always had your career, you've done both of you maintained your careers and in your own industry and made it work or So I met him when I was 21. He was 25. He had just started teaching and, and coaching and I was not finished with undergrad yet. So we were kind of in the same area. It's a funny story. And he actually gets kind of self-conscious about the story, but I think he's kind of gotten used to it at this point. Um, We actually met when he called the wrong phone number. Okay. So crazy story. We've been together 19 years and we met when he called and dialed my number. And it's funny because one of the coaches that still coaches with him now was his best friend in high school and he changed his number and it was one number off from mine. And so over the course of a couple of weeks, he called me by mistake. And one day I was with my girlfriends and in a talkative mood and I decided I was just going to start up a conversation with him. So we chatted for like a month and then he said he wanted to meet me and I was like, oh gosh, he's going to be a serial killer. But, but we met and we've been wow. together ever since, but we dated for six years before we got married. So I knew I wanted to do, you know, something professionally. So he stayed here in Anniston. I lived in Birmingham, which is an hour away. And so kind of from the beginning, it was always, he had his coaching thing. 
and I had my education stuff. And so I think that kind of set us up for kind of having our own lives, but, but we were able to, once I finished with PA school, we got married six months later, really the first few years, it was really had practice and did practice during the week, but I didn't do really anything else outside of that. Obviously we didn't have kids yet. So I felt like our life really revolved around his career. And so it was like that for the first few years. And I didn't do a lot of this extra stuff. I didn't speak for companies. I, I had not started volunteering for you know organizations and things like that. And so probably about five years into my profession, I started to kind of get an itch like, you know, babe, I love you and I love your career and I'm very supportive of your career. I, you know, and he knows that I go to everything, but I kind of felt like I needed something of my own, something that I could put all of my energy into that would give me some fulfillment outside of just, you know, my regular like eight to four job. And so I started kind of doing some of this extracurricular stuff with, you know, like speaking and volunteering for these organizations and things like that and started traveling. And so it helped that we always kind of had our own thing, Mm -hmm. but I do think it was a little bit of an adjustment initially because he was so used to, you know, for those first few years that we were married, me really being there 24 seven, you know, and it's different for everybody around here, high school coaches, a lot of their wives are are teachers too. Mm -hmm. And so they're able to be out there in the summers and they're able to, they're present for everything because they have the same schedule. And so I'm a little bit of an anomaly with my career. And, you know, over the years, it's not always been easy. You know, sometimes people say things like, well, you know, where is she? Why is she not here? And things like that. But he's just always been so supportive of anything that I wanted to do. Um, He knows that if I'm in town, I'm going to be whatever he has going on. If I don't have something, you know, work related that I have to do. And I really try my best to schedule around it, but he's just always been so supportive. He never gives me a hard time. You know, he's done some interviews himself where he acknowledges the importance of both you know, spouses kind of having their own thing. And and it doesn't have to be necessarily, it could be your career. It could be, mm-hmm. you know, that you have a group of girlfriends that you go hang out with. It could be that you like to, you know, you have some hobby that you want to put your energy into. So, you know, that was kind of one of my things that I had to learn early on as a coach's wife. I don't think there's anything wrong with if there is someone who literally just pours all of their extra time into their significant other's job. It's totally fine. I just found that for me, I just needed something of my own because he was, you know, he's been very successful and has done his own thing. And I felt like, okay, like I want to have that, you know? Mm -hmm. So I would just tell, that's one of my things that when everybody, anybody asks like, Hey, what would you like, what would be one suggestion or something that you, one little tip. And I just always say, find something that you enjoy doing that you can put your energy into also. And it can be something as little as an hour or two a week, or it could be something that, that takes more time, but have something of your own too. I just think that's important. But again, it's different strokes for different folks and whatever Mm -hmm. works for you at your marriage is what you should do. But I I never want other wives to feel like they have to be at every single thing Mm -hmm. and they have to feel guilty if they have something of their own that they want to put their time into because you know, it's at the end of the day, you know, his career happens to be his hobby and my career happens to be my hobby, but it may be different for somebody else. So that's kind of my little takeaway, but you know, it's not always been easy. We have to manage. We don't really have much family here. His mom lives here and dad, my parents don't. So, you know, we have some help, but not a ton. So, I mean, it's, you know, a little 
you know, we have to tweak things a little bit, but I think I couldn't do it if it weren't for his, him being supportive. And he would tell you that he couldn't do two sports if I wasn't supportive. So yeah, that's it in a nutshell. And then my other little tip is, you know, and I think you girls probably know this because I'm sure your significant other spend way more time away than, than my husband. But, you know, I learned early on not to make him feel guilty for being gone a lot. I learned they would much rather be home and be, you know, somewhat relaxing and be with the family and be with the kids if they could. So if he's gone, it must mean that he thinks he has to be and he needs to be. And so I learned early to not make him feel guilty for that. And so that would be my other little tip is, you know, more than likely, you know, if, if they're away, it's because they need to be. So give them some grace and, and try to be open-minded about it. But I know it's hard when you have young kids, we only had one until about four months ago. <laughs> so it was definitely easier. So now that we have win this coming year is going to be interesting, but <laughs> you seriously just spoke to our hearts and our mission of our entire community, because we really, really urge everyone in our entire community to find something that they feel passionate about and that they can kind of dedicate that time to. So just the way that you put that was honestly perfect. And you're a team and we always talk about that too. You know, you have to be each other's teammates and you're not, one's not better than the other and one doesn't have more privilege than the other. And so how do you find that you balance the things around the house together? So love my husband, sweet, sweet man, but he's, he, he does, he does a lot. Okay. So I'll tell you this. So we finally, we moved into a new house, maybe not quite two years ago. And for the first time we got a, somebody to come clean the house. And I fought him on that because he's thrifty and he didn't want to spend the money. And he would always say, make me a list of things you want me to do and I'll do them girl, he don't, he doesn't have time. Yeah. Okay. And yep. Neither do I. <laughs> so I finally said, look, I'm, I'm, I'm calling this. We're getting somebody to come clean. So that has helped a ton. He really helps as much as he can, but it's funny how I think God puts people together that are complete opposites. Mm-hmm. So I'm very type A like to have everything organized like for everything to have a place. And he's very just relaxed, go with the flow, (laughs) doesn't care if there's an empty bag of chips that's been sitting there for five days or an old (laughs) cup with, I mean, it's just, it's crazy. So, you know, he does the best he can, but again, it's one of those things where I have to try. My dad taught me, you got to pick your battles. Mm -hmm. So we try our best to kind of share. I mean, he does empty the dishwasher. The funny thing is, is that if he is home, he cooks all of our meals. Mm -hmm. So I have to go, okay, do I really want to argue that he has 15 pairs of sneakers downstairs right now in in our laundry room? You know, I know you guys probably know all about that. Uh, So I'm like, do I really want to argue about this? So, but it's not perfect. The cool thing about him is that there's never a job that he's ever said, well, that's a woman's job or that's not my job. Mm -hmm. And it's been like that with even kids. He's he's changed dirty diapers from day one. So, mm-hmm. so I'm lucky from that standpoint, but again, I mean, I get frustrated cause I'm like, dude, like pick up your sneakers. Like, I don't understand. Why do you have to have 15 pairs of sneakers down here? He's not Mr. Fix it. So if we need something done, like fixed, we call somebody to fix it. Or actually I will probably attempt it myself because that's just my personality. So when it comes to stuff like that, he's not handy, bless mm-hmm. his heart, but you know, he does do stuff around the house. Yeah. So, yeah. but the housekeeper has really helped us a lot and it has helped prevent some arguments and some, you know, eye rolling and stuff because <laughs> the house is disgusting. Yeah. So at least yeah. I know every two weeks it's going to be clean for about 
an hour until after we get home on Thursday right. after she comes. So <laughs> I think that's good though that you resource something that was a pain point because I feel like even with some people it's almost like a pride thing, like I need to get this keep this all together. And you're like, no, this is a resource. We're gonna use it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well that was it for me. I felt like I as a woman should be able to keep the house together, you know, but then you start to have kids and you're like, okay, well, I'm also a mom now. I'm also, I run a clinic throughout the day. I'm traveling. And then, so kind of what I came up with was like, you know, look, babe, I don't have a lot of extra free time and you don't have a lot of extra free time. So the little free time that we have, we want to spend it together. Mm -hmm. Do we really want to be cleaning toilets? Do we want to be vacuuming and all of that? And luckily we're blessed that we are able to afford to have somebody to come and clean. Um, And I realized that, but I said, you know, to me, it's worth it so that Mm -hmm. when we do have that free time, we're actually using it for quality things and not for chores. Well, we have one last question that we end every single interview on, but you kind of already answered it a little bit, but we're, we'll, ask you just in case. So if you could go back in time and ask yourself one thing, just starting out in this industry, or maybe just starting out in your career, something that would help you today, what would that be? When I first became a coaching wife, you know, obviously we dated for six years before we got married. I always felt like the outcast because I wasn't the coach's wife, right? So Mm -hmm. I was the coach's girlfriend. And so that was really tough for me early on. I didn't have any family that would come to the games. And so a lot of times with high school sports, you'll see like my husband, his mom and dad are in their mid to late seventies and they come until recently, his dad had cancer a year or two back, but until then they came to every basketball game every football game. It didn't matter where it was. So families come to those type things. And I didn't have family there. So not only was I the coach's girlfriend and not the wife, but I didn't have any family either. So I was blessed that there were some coaches wives that kind of took me up under their wing and really treated me like I was essentially a significant other from early on. And so that would be something that I would just say, you know, it doesn't matter if you're a spouse, if you're a girlfriend, nobody really understands that lifestyle unless you're in it. And it really doesn't matter what your title is, like reach out and try to make them feel comfortable and included. And there's still times people ask me like, you know, how do you not get upset when he's away and he doesn't come home until on like, he'll come home after a Friday night game at like Saturday at like one or 2 AM, you know? And I'm like, look, it it took several years for me to get used to that. So it takes some adjusting, but you know, it's hard. It's hard for them to be away. They see these kids more than they see their own families. And you know, that it's easy for you to kind of get bitter about it. And I think that being a resource and being a, you know, a listening ear and a support system for each other is important. And it goes even for men that are the spouses of female coaches too. try to include them and, mm-hmm. you know, don't exclude somebody just because of their title. And I was very lucky early on that that didn't happen to me, but I don't know what I would have done had, mm-hmm. <laughs> had, had it not been that way, but you know, just try to include everybody and just be patient and give grace and just try to support each other because it really isn't an easy lifestyle to to go through. So yeah, we absolutely love that. Brittany and I stand very firm on being just very inclusive with everyone and just inviting everyone in because everyone's going through um, all these experiences together and it makes you feel less alone, especially with this mm-hmm. lifestyle. But we appreciate you coming on and thank you so oh, much for you. sharing everything um, with our audience. If we have anybody in the community that wants to reach out or maybe be friends, where can they find you? Oh my Instagram? gosh, you can totally find me on Instagram. Lala Miller, but it's L-A-L-A-M-I-L-L-R. 
but I'm always happy if you want to DM me and ask me skincare stuff or what my favorite products are. I'm happy to share them. Yeah, great. Be expecting a DM from us after this. No, I would love it. No, I would love it. And I can share like, I'll tell you, I'll tell you straight out, like what I, you know, what my experience has been with things, because it, I've, I've really kind of used most everything. I've probably done most everything um, because I'm not going to, I'm not going to recommend something to a patient unless I've tried it myself. So yeah, that's just my that. motto. So yeah, yeah, I love that. Well, thank you so much again. And thank you to everyone that's listening and we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.